0: This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO m a Specialist, and Turf Book's Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're
1: in the right place.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what's changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes in the industry. Thank you for joining us. My name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Pest Control. Also CEO of Coal March, a digital marketing and sales services for the home services industry, specializing in both pest and lawn industries. As always, I have Mr. Infamous, the man with that does not need an introduction, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello to everyone?
1: Hi, everyone. Dan Gordon, PCO bookkeepers, turf books, PCO MA specialists. We do it all. Um, mainly uh, financial accounting operations, uh, exit planning and whatnot. And uh, I can't tell you how excited I am for this particular episode. Uh, We have today uh, Ryan Robinson from uh, Green Drop. Green Drop is a uh, uh, a lawn fertilization company, as well as several other uh, items in Canada. And, uh, Ryan has been in one of my peer groups for, oh, I'm gonna say about eight years. And uh, just a very interesting guy, tremendous stories. The storytelling is absolutely uh, (laughs) worth, worth the admission. Uh, worth the price of admission. And uh, today we're going to talk about a great topic. Uh, It it seems to, in the peer group, it seems to gravitate toward this when we need entertainment, but we thought we would talk about uh, why mistakes are good and what mistakes uh, we've all made in the past and and, and whatnot. And uh, hey, Ryan, welcome. Thank you, Dan. It's great to to be here uh, with you guys today and appreciate
2: the opportunity to speak with you.
1: So tell us a little bit about uh, Green GreenDrop uh, in the Canadian market. How do you you know you know the size, where you operate, uh, you know. Well, thanks, and
2: I, I also I wanted to thanks thank you for your comments about stories. I mean, if you want to hear stories about mistakes, I'm your I'm your guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like those two things uh, the nexus of those two things is is right on right on my uh, uh, specialty. So uh yeah it it, green drop is um is uh, a company um family business that we started in uh everything we have is from uh, comes from um, our history in agriculture and uh, ranching and farming so my my dad uh, and i um grew up in that uh, in that world and my dad about uh in the early 80s um, Went went to a uh, na- uh, a convention fertilizer. He was doing ag fertilizer, so he was selling fertilizer to other ranchers and farmers in our area west of Calgary, Alberta. And so he um, he he went and met someone and met people at this at this fertilizer convention, and I uh, got the idea to do uh, residential lawn care. And so our company Green Job was the first uh, first company in Western Canada that did traditional, you know. Camelon style um, lawn care, uh, so it was a uh, he real he was a real pioneer in, in that in that world. So the topic today
0: is why mistakes are good, and so I thought maybe this would be good to start with, um, Ryan. What do you consider Green Drop's biggest mistake, um, and 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 you know what did you learn from it? And obviously, I mean, we can trust me. I think I could write several volumes of, of of literature on mistakes that i have made along the way i think anyone who does anything in business this is just you know the price tag of succeeding right you, you got to do it but but yeah in your perspective what do you consider to be green drops biggest mistake and then what did you learn from it
2: i i think you gotta you know at least in my mind the way that i like to break down thinking this way thinking about mistakes is you know there's are sort of you know, sort of obvious that, that mistake. Nobody tries to make mistakes, right? We're we're not out we're out there to, to make good, solid decisions every day, and 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 build process to to accomplish our goals in business and 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 in lawn and pest. Uh, that is uh, servicing our customers. Uh, and uh, and creating you know creating loyalty. So you know it's 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 when you think about it. I like to think about it as there's there's mistakes. Like strategic mistakes and 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 uh, bigger mistakes that you make, and there's also breakdowns in the process. And so I like to think of it that way. Um, but you know nobody nobody makes mistakes on purpose, and it's important to think of them that they're inevitable. If you're out there doing things, you are making mistakes. So today I'm sure we're we're all making a mistake somewhere because we're out out working hard trying to improve. Improve the, the the business and move forward. Um, you know, my favorite mistake story is, you know, growing up at at the ranch in that setting. You know, it's just such a um, such a learning experience when you're a young person. And I remember, uh, you know, I would I would screw up in some huge way. So we had all sorts of heavy equipment and tractors and things. And usually, when I made a mistake, it involved damaging a lot of expensive items. <laughs> 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 I remember, you know, I'd get so frustrated, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, so 20 years old or something, and I'd go to, I'd have to go to my dad and say, like, okay, well, you know, I just, I just ran, you know, the, 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 the hay, hay vine processor into the fence and, you know, caused all sorts of damage. And he used to say to me, and he used to cool me down, and he used to say, look, if you, if, if you're at home watching TV, you're not making any mistakes, but you're out here, you're doing things, you're actively, doing um, doing things you're gonna make mistakes and, and and so you know that's the that's the way that we look at it at greendrop and at Buzzboss our our pest uh, brand, is that you know mistakes are not something that you you punish or that you um, that you look upon as uh, being a failure, a personal failure. they're something that you can learn from and that you can improve uh, improve the future process through. so that's that's sort of my mistake my approach to it. If you're doing things, you're making mistakes. And if one of my people comes to me with some huge screw up, that's what I try to the approach I try to have is look, hey, look, if if we weren't doing if we weren't trying to service 2000 customers today and go to 2000 customers houses, we didn't try to do that, we wouldn't make any mistakes. We could we could be happy, but that's that's not how it is.
0: So, Ryan, real quick, and I don't I didn't mean to interrupt you here, but it, I just I have a really quick thought and I want to I want to jump on it before we before we move on. You know, I think about this a lot. And and at both of my companies, we make mistakes. Right. The thing that I struggle with is, you know, if you're trying to put people on the moon or you're flying spaceships. Right. The fear of failure, the fear of mistakes. I mean, you need that. Right. I mean, it absolutely is essential that you be aware and you be, you know, you you obviously don't actively look, oh, yeah, let's go make a mistake so we can learn again, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, you also understand that, hey, this is part of the process. And, and and to me, I always say, you know, every failure is one more step towards, you know, the win, right? The The success. And so I'm just curious, have you thought about that? And kind of where, how do you balance that? Right? How do you think through like, all right, this is, I want to encourage my people that yes, yes, you can fail. But at the same time, You know not just saying well just go out and have a great old time and whatever we break and tear up It's it's perfectly fine. No problem. (laughs) You
2: know, how do you how do you balance that? Well, I mean, I think that goes a little bit back to the concept of you know, which Which are these breakdowns, you know, so, you know, we I think you can't be tolerant of you're going to the moon and you have five systems which are all um, redundant, you know systems that you've tested and you have process and Something happens where one of them breaks down uh, because of somebody failing to do something, or you know, I, I think that you you can't be tolerant of of breakdowns in your process, and you have to be aggressive in performance standards. So I think that, I think that's the I think that everybody knows that they make mistakes, but that does not mean you have a have a, a culture where it's okay to just not succeed. It, it's <laughs> that's not okay. We we're, we're, right. we have a culture of excellence and performance, um, where where mistakes, where honest mistakes, and experimentation, and dealing with luck, the luck factor are are um, are part of that positive culture.
1: Right. So right. so one of the things that uh, you know we 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 all get into business and uh, you know we've got this operation and whatnot, and then um, you know uh, there are certain there's certain courses or coursework or whatever uh, that we kind of take and, and, and learn how to think. And for me, it was my undergraduate in college and my CPA. And one of the things that I've admired most about you is that you've been involved in this uh, executive program at Harvard Business School for the past, I don't know, six or seven years. And um, I guess you're coming up on uh, a graduation at some point in the future. But uh, I guess my question is, did they teach you ways, or you know, obviously the way Harvard teaches with their case methods, so they don't say here digest this, but they're teaching you a way of thinking based on the uh, coursework that you're taking. Has that had an influence on how you handle some of these mistakes and 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 how you treat folks?
2: I think the answer to that, Dan, is that if anything, it, it's given. Uh... Myself and our group an opportunity to think a little bit about learning and the concept of that uh, you know the lifelong learning concept and the idea that uh, the power that that continuing to learn from you know ongoing education programs whether whatever level it is in our in our industry whether through the association um, uh, NALP or through um, organizations like we we do uh, a lot with with, uh, the more local uh, education um, organizations like University of Calgary in Alberta. Uh, And really just all of that did for me was unlock the power of of learning. And how can we bring that into our culture, into our organization at every level, and even build that into our our, uh, performance standards Um, We often ask now about um, each individual employee's um, education plan for the year. Okay, Like, what are we, you know, oh, we're we're working through um, industry-type certifications or um, other uh, more general things. And it it, it sort of got us into the power of that and bringing in amazing guests for our uh, group sessions. I mean, that's one thing about the, the pandemic that's been kind of awesome is all of a sudden we can have guests come speak to our team from From all over uh, the world, and they don't have to you know fly to freezing cold Canada in the middle of winter and 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 do that. So uh, there's a, there's that's really the learning The learning is, or the learning is learning.
1: <laughs> and so one of the one of the the things uh, about your business also is that you're all over Canada. and Canada, it, you know there's a lot of uh, open space. it's not as densely populated is around here. So your branches aren't contiguous, right? So uh, how, how does that, how do you get everybody together and, uh, um, you know, for meetings and whatnot? Um, is it done through Zoom calls? Is it done through uh, uh, traveling? How, how how do you get everyone together and get everyone on the same page?
2: Well, it's actually kind of interesting because I think that uh, because we're so spread out and we are, you know, our branches are, most of them are not, yeah, some of them are drivable, but most are a flight away from each other. Um, you know, I think we were probably a little bit more prepared than many um, businesses to live the way we are living right now with zoom calls and 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 uh, collaboration over distance. So we were probably a little more prepared than than uh, than maybe some other uh, of our cohorts in the industry. but you know we we, for instance, every year we have a um, a, uh, a conference uh, called Growing Together. It's at this time of year, and where we we gather and we fly we fly a lot and we gather uh, together. And we've had, we've obviously had to stop all that, and so it's forcing us to grapple with the same issues as everyone else. Is how do you continue to build strong culture, strong performance, um, especially onboarding new people in this type of world? Like so. It, you know it's it's we have the same same challenges is how do you how do you bring on a new um uh, local manager business unit leader we call them how do you bring on a new one when a new a new uh leader like that when you uh can't see him in person it's it's harder and it takes
1: a lot more focus and so when i came up to visit you up in calgary uh, one of the things that you were doing is putting together a uh, a new call center and whatnot so what are some of the mistakes or what is some of the the the, the what, are, what, are, what are some of the pros and cons of doing that and how um, how how have you fared with it
2: well what one thing we are working on right now is is trying to uh, understand as we as we sort of build out our our uh, um, systems for the future is trying to understand well what what Which which one which changes that we're undergoing now through work at home and um, and uh, Zoom calls which changes are going to be sticky and hang around and which ones are going to go back to normal and so you know that's the million dollar question that we have I I I think that working this way is slowly degrading our culture a little bit in other words we have we you know I think that For face-to-face interactions and I love seeing people I love seeing our team members I love working and brainstorming with uh, with uh, our uh, our leaders and running into them in the hallway and having a crazy idea you know so I mean I personally miss the office and I miss that dynamic and I I worry that um, our operational readiness culture wise I guess you could say is is slowly slowly being hurt a little bit by not being in person so you know that's uh that's i i think that uh, as soon as we are allowed to um come back we're going to be relooking our design of our buildings and our call center and our technology department and really trying to uh, get it so that we can recapture some of that
1: so everything is spread out and done from home right now uh like most of us yeah yeah we're we're uh we're
2: in that uh, we're in that world of. Um, of collaborating remotely, and it's a it's a it's a challenging world to be in sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, can you think of any, um, like let's just talk about the past year, any notable mistakes that you are aware of that you guys have made? I mean, I I you know I go back to okay, I'm 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 listening to this podcast, and and you know I think I probably. I didn't probably, I think I misspoke when I, when I first started the podcast where I kind of jumped into failure, right? Because failure and mistakes are two different things. And I want to be very clear about that. I mean, mistakes are that, I mean, that is going to be part of succeeding, but failure is when you quit. Right. And so taking it back to, okay, so I have say a $2 million company, a $1 million company. Um, you, you know, how, how does, I mean, I guess the thing that I, would want to come back to is like okay well how do I as an owner view mistakes versus how do I view failure and what are some things that you know I mean obviously green is it's a large business what are some things or some mistakes that you are, are aware of like in the last year or two years that really stick out to you that was a you know you talked about how mistakes are really learning some key learnings that you've had maybe over the last couple of years that you can that you could share with the audience.
2: I think, I mean, Donnie, when I go back to, to thinking about, uh, thinking about mistakes, you know, I go back to when we were, when we were a much smaller company, um, you know, back in um, mid two thousands, just around the 2008 type of time frame. you know, I, that was my first year, um, uh, running the whole company. And, you know, we, we I, We we went into we went into the business. I looked at it and I thought, well, this residential lawn care and you know it seems to be a little bit stale. You know, we're not it's not growing that fast. We obviously we need to we need to grow the business. Our mandate is to grow the business. And so we got into um, landscape construction and uh, maintenance. And we decided we would be a full service one stop company where commercial and uh, residential customers especially commercial uh, we'd get these big contracts and, and so we you know what so that we we went down that road and we really grew the business uh, the business started to grow but all but what what also happened was we we became uh we became noticing how difficult it was to to manage these big we had got a few big contracts now we now we started had to go buy equipment and we have to um, learn project management, and we became unfocused. And you know, really, it caused a lot of damage um, trying to um, to to be sort of all things and to grow in an unfocused, undisciplined way. And and what 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 else we noticed had noticed was that we started to grow in un, less profitable services. If we looked at all of our things, while well, our landscape construction was much lower for a profit, so we were growing it. And we were getting yeah. big, but it was it was <laughs> suddenly we noticed that, big on the wrong things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, pursue. I would call that um, a strategy of uh, diversification based on undisciplined growth. And of course, what what I'm a huge fan, and everyone's uh, everyone knows me knows that I'm a huge Jim Collins fan. So in about 2011, I read Good to Great, and you know we we slammed the brakes on on this uh, undisciplined growth. And uh, slowly wound down the those businesses you know that that was a huge mistake it was a huge mistake um, it cost us customers It cost us goodwill it cost uh, it, it led to all kinds of chaos and set us back several years on our on our growth on our path to growth huge mistake and when we focused on what we were, our company was really about using some of those Jim Collins tools the hedgehog concept for those that know what, what can we be the best in the world at? What drives our profitability engine? And what are we passionate about? Those three things, those are Jim Collins' three things to, to come up with your uh, your hedgehog concept, which is just that what that means is that you're focused on on uh, one uh, simple strategy of what you are all about. And what we decided was, no. Nope, what we're all about is residential, renewable, uh, services and so anything that wasn't a residential renewable service got the boot rightly so and that's how we have we've been very consistent on that for the last since uh, early 2010s and it's it's led to uh, very very excellent growth in our in, in our residential renewable uh, business in fact it's kind of funny we call it R3 residential renewable and really profitable we don't want to do it we don't want to do it so you're, so the question is well how do you decide what to be in now well when our team when somebody brings us something they want to do um we have to be very very careful about what uh what we get into because it's very tempting to get into different lines of business but if it's not renewable residential and really profitable we're not that interested and of course with that comes exceptions we have divisions that do uh, that do, do do in fact do uh, some commercial work in the tree and other industries, and they're they're great businesses too. But for the most part, we're looking for the that that helps us decide, I guess, what what businesses to be in.
0: Well, Ryan, we are very similar in this regard because <clears throat> I made the exact same mistake with Triangle, and I had the exact same uh, uh, journey. You know, I read Jim Collins and was like, oh gosh, I have made such a mistake. I when I first started Triangle. You know we didn't have anything and 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 i've told this story before but you know if i showed up at miss smith's house and she's like hey yeah i don't need pest control but you know uh ralphie the dog he needs shingles on his on his dog house i would go to home depot and okay i'll be right back i'll take care of that and i did that and and very very similar story um i had you know i had restaurants i had commercial restaurants i had all these different service lines, and we were just dying. We, obviously, not at the scale I think that you were at. I mean, we didn't have to go out and buy special equipment. But I'll never forget the moment that it really hit me. Um, I don't know if you guys ever. Do you remember this product? It was called Leaf to Fire. Did you guys ever see yep. this product? Yep. Okay, so Leaf Perfect. to Fire. Just for those that don't know what it is, it's like this foam. Yeah, it's like this foam. And what you do is you you stuff this foam in the gutters, and people never have to clean out their gutters again. And I thought, what a great business idea. And so I. All in. We, you know, we created flyers and created a section on our website. And I went out and bought these 40 foot ladders. And I just thought, man, this is going to be the greatest add-on service. We're going to do so well with this. And I'll never forget, we have our first job. And I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do our first job because I want to see what this is like. I really want to learn the service. And just imagine me up on the 30, well, it was actually a 40-foot ladder. I'm up at 35 feet and this little shaky thing is like all or and I'm looking down and I'm like oh my gosh if I fall right now I'll never fly again like what are we doing so he came off I sold the ladders I sold our commercial division I sold everything <laughs> like we're done we're doing residential recurring pest control and that's what we're and we I mean, we still do termite but but I did I remember and people were like you're crazy selling off your commercial and we st- we grew 30% that year and so so I guess my point is is it's really funny to hear your journey in, in learning that. And, and because it, I think mine's almost exactly the same. And so, Dan, let's hear a nice mistake from you here. I want to, one that you can think of. Now, obviously you have a bit of a different, you you did pest control early on, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be in pest well, control. Well, I, I
1: mean, this is a, a, a tactical mistake. Uh, I was in business uh, probably about mm-hmm. a month and a half. We had a termite rig that we were going to bolt down, but didn't have time. So we threw it in the back with a bed liner and 100 <laughs> gallons of termite aside. Termite <laughs> I know this is was high, I was on a highway and a deer jumped out in front of them. Needless to say, the tank moved, rolled the truck. The white stuff poured out on the highway. The guys in spacemen or in spacesuits came to clean it up there's
0: choppers circling
1: well well, no choppers but when the dep new jersey dep uh you know i was new in business and they're like we're going to charge you five thousand dollar fine to do this and i was like five thousand dollars that's a lot of money and he's like son five thousand dollars and be done with it and uh that was some pretty good advice but uh yeah so uh that was a big mistake uh but uh, the question I was gonna ask Ryan was, um, so in Canada, there's a, a, a big movement to, um, you know, to limit the use of pesticides, herbicides, and other, um, you know, uh, materials that we use. But, uh, you know, GreenDrop has been able to navigate this and navigate it pretty well. And I think it's a lesson because it's coming to the US. There are certain states where we're definitely dealing with this. How have you been able to uh, deal with this? Uh, have you made mistakes in your approach to it? And, um, you know, uh, how would you describe that? And and for those who are kind of trying to take the defensive posture for what may happen in the U.S. Uh, over the next few years? I
2: think the the. Uh, you know, we're in a situation right now where the, the tools. It, and in Canada spe- uh, specifically that, you know, the tools that we can use are very, um, there are very few tools which we have in our in our toolbox to deal with the various pest and lawn um, uh, problems. So our challenge is understand, I mean, we, we face a lot of different jurisdictions and a lot of different rules. And sometimes the rules change not only by um, by province or country, but also by um, the, the municipality or the city. Uh, so we spend, unfortunately, we have to spend a lot of time and effort and money um, understanding the rules and working around uh, working around them. And you know, we it, it's it's a challenge. We have provinces with um, cosmetic bans. Um, Manitoba has a cosmetic uh, cosmetic um, Weed control ban, so we have to use uh, alternate products, uh, and you know, and, and on the pest side, we you know, we, uh, on in British Columbia there's different rules than Alberta, and it just it just goes on and on, and it's a failure of our regulators and probably a failure of our our uh, industry to lobby better uh, in Canada to get get clearer, more understandable, more logical rules. That being said, you we follow the rules to the the um, to the letter. And, and 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 you know uh, find it to be uh, find that professionalism and and uh, um, being able to, to use the products that we can in each province gives us a, a great advantage um, over over uh, uh, other companies that don't understand them, use them illegally. Uh, you know we uh, we work really hard at it.
1: So, is it, would you say that if some of this, uh, some of these restrictions, if they were to come to the U.S., uh, can you flip it on, a, a, flip it around, and say this could work to our advantage because you know we've got to understand this real well and navigate it? And um, are there reduced customer expectations now that you don't have all the tools in the toolbox? Well, I think
2: we have to remember that we're. I think when we're in the industry, when we're industry guys we sometimes forget that what we're selling and what we're trying to accomplish and what we're selling is a um is a weed-free beautiful lawn or a you know a backyard picnic without without pests uh we're selling we're in the picnic business and we're in the the beauty business (laughs) we're not in the chemical business we're not in the in the uh
1: Donnie's
0: definitely in the beauty business, but no, no, I, it it left me long ago, but I love this point that Ryan's making because the point that he's making is it's not about the service. It's about the result. And
2: so keep going. Exactly. And so if you are in the beauty business and the backyard picnic business and the crackling fire uh, on a summer night business, it doesn't matter what products they outlaw and the details of the various bands. Customers don't care about that. Customers are our customers. Our customers want a, pest, a pest-free um, uh, backyard dinner, and they want their kids to play in the grass, and they want to have it look look amazing. So when their neighbors come over, uh, everybody uh, comments on how beautiful the, the deck and the yard is. That's the business for and If you're in that business, no matter what the regulators do to you, they can't take that away from you. But if you position yourself that you're in the chemical business or in the, you know, the par three business or the um, certain kind of um, chem uh, pest control product business then you 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 are in you can get outlawed out of business so think about what y- your customers are really buying when they're buying your service and that kind of helps you get through solving the problem of when um, when regulators come along and and take tools away from you
0: so let's I, th- that's a great point and I want to shift gears here just for a moment um I know that you're a fan of the effort, effortless experience journey. Can you just talk a little bit about this concept uh, and then how you guys are doing that there at Green Drop?
2: Sure, Donnie. Um, what we spend a lot of time and what we have spent a lot of time in the last little while uh, is understanding customer experience, uh, what makes a great customer experience. Is to spend it. We're spending some time. We're spending time understanding what that means. And, and in fact, our team has been going through uh, some great exercises recently on, on, on what types of feelings does it. So, so, the 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 exercise we just went through is customer experience from the perspective of the customer. So, try to teach our team how to think about things through the eyes of our customer that's experiencing the, the company. And how does that make you how does that make you feel? How does that make the customer feel that, that step in the process? How does that make our employee feel? Um, you know, it's just been absolutely fascinating and what we've learned to getting our team together virtually here via Zoom and running through the 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 business as experienced by the customers. So you know everything from the email pre-notification to the, when the truck pulls up, and the door you go ring the doorbell, and after the job is done, the all those touch points and examining all those touch points to try to reduce customer effort, um, and drive customer loyalty. So you know really just being con- I guess the learning here is the being conscious of each step in your customer's journey, how they experience your company and. Uh, and uh, what you can do to reduce effort and eliminate those painful, awful points that we all know we have in our in our business, I'll share a super quick story of one that happened last year. So when we went paperless in our in our lawn and pest business, we went paperless. So we decided, okay, we're going to send an email out ahead of time to our customers to let them know we're coming tomorrow, and then the next day we will uh, get the uh, we will show up, do the job. Well, what happened was when we couldn't do the job, maybe it was raining or some other problem was, we thought, well, we better send an email and tell them we're not coming. So we sent him another email or or text. And then the next day we would the, the system was built. Well, we sent him another email saying we were gonna come the next day. The rescheduled day. And then if something happened then, what happened was we got a week of rain, and I had some friends of mine from uh text me and say, Ryan, I think your company's out of control because I got a text saying you're coming, I got a text saying you're not coming, I got another text saying you're coming, another one saying you're not coming, and another one saying you're coming, and now you still haven't shown up today, you know? I mean, obviously that's ridiculous, right? And so that's what I'm talking about. When you when you, when you you can try to experience your company the way that customers are experiencing it, it becomes super obvious that that's dumb, you know, and that doesn't work. Uh, And it helps you solve those issues. I mean, in this case, the issue solved was uh, obviously uh, when it rains, don't keep keep sending texts saying we're not coming. What's the value in sending a text saying we're not coming? Well, it was a fun experience for our technology team and our call center and all of our other uh, uh, greenkeepers to try and solve that. And, And they did. They did an amazing job. And our, I just have to say that our customer uh, care teams are amazing and the best in the world, I believe, at solving these things in the call center, the technology side and uh, on the leadership and operation side.
0: So if there's someone who like in this effortless experience, I, I'm assuming is this from the book? I mean, is this kind of what gets you going down this path was that you read? I mean, I know there's a book out there called The Effortless Experience. I think Matt Dixon is the one who wrote it. Um is that is that kind of how it got to get you started down that path or was it more of just like all right, we got to get better. Let's figure this out.
2: I think that that was a great book. So that book was uh, recommended to us um uh by uh, Chris Sensky of and he uh, is always amazing at identifying great resources. And that book, I mean the, the the premise of the Matt Dixon's book is that um in today's world that effort Making your customers do effort is uh, a bad thing, and if you can reduce the amount of effort and uh, stress in their lives, they will be more loyal. And you know, it's sort of it sounds obvious when you say it like that, but that's you know that it's it, it it was a uh, a really good touch point for us to uh, to reduce effort um, across the board and try to try to make it as easy as possible for our customers to. Um, to get uh, get that great experience. I mean, their goal is to have a picnic and to go play on the grass and to sit outside without getting eaten by wasps. And how can we do that for them, and as easily as easy as possible for them? And when that happens, magic happens, and and um, you get loyalty, you get referrals, you can build a great customer service um, focused company.
1: So let me uh, switch gears a little bit uh, to, to that point. Um, and to the point that, uh, if it, has gotta be recurring. So, uh, when I was walking around your office, um, everybody referred to the people that you serve as subscribers, what's the difference between a subscriber and a customer?
2: I think that the, the, um, concept of, uh, so, you know, a few years ago, we 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 were looking to try to drill down into our um, culture the idea that let me back up. Canada has a very short season of growing season in most of our most of our cities. So, you know, I'm always jealous when I go and visit uh, uh, some of the uh, the great uh, companies and friends of mine in the U.S., especially the southern areas where they can keep working all year and have that wonderful opportunity to continue that customer relationship all, all or most of the year, you know? And we have a very long period where our, our uh, on the, say, lawn care side, uh, uh, there's not much going on. When it's 40 below, that lawn care is not very close to any, everyone's mind. And so, you know, it was it, 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 a, it, a concept of, Of the the subscriber thing was an effort to help our teams kind of understand that this is an ongoing relationship and you know the old ways of just do the job send out a prepay get the money we'll see it in six months we're looking for ways to engage with our customers and show them we care year-round and that's hard but that's the idea behind it is this is a relationship between us and our customers. This is a great relationship where they get something and we um, help to provide it and we get something. And so that's the idea, is how can you change your language a little bit? How can you start to talk a little bit and just kind of understand this is not a one year thing that stops and starts. This is an ongoing thing. And we and we try to stay in touch as best we can with our customers all year round.
1: Yeah,
0: good. Well, um, I want to. I think we're getting we're out of time here. Dan, any parting thoughts before we close the podcast? Your oh, follow. This has been great, and um, you know, I, I again, I, I think anyone who's been in business understands that you know mistakes are you know it it, it absolutely. I mean, Brian, you made a great point at the very beginning. You know, mistakes are learning, and I think I'm okay with mistakes. I'm not okay with the same mistake, and I'm not okay with mistakes where we don't learn because what that means is that we're going to repeat it again. Right. And we totally missed the opportunity, but Dan, anything to add? Any more, any final parting thoughts questions before we close out?
1: No, I think it's a, it's a, it's a terrific topic. And the more stuff you throw at the wall, the more mistakes you're going to make, but some of it's going to stick. If you don't throw anything at the wall, nothing's going to stick. So it's part of the process and it's, it's a terrific part of the process. And if you, you, Ever get a chance to take a look at GreenDrop and some of the things that uh, Ryan and, and his team are doing? It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, um, I, I you know you referenced the 40 below when when we went up to visit. Uh, I think it was uh, May. It was snowing, and uh, you know. <laughs> meanwhile, most lawn care companies are on round two or three by then. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, Ryan, thank you again for for joining us here in the podcast. This has been a great topic and, and loved hearing your perspectives and also your experiences. And, you know, especially in, in the realm of mistakes and learning from mistakes. And, you know, I also think that, you know, folks who are listening, if you're a leader, you know, don't don't be afraid of mistakes. I think this is probably just a sense of humility that, you know, I think sometimes we believe that we should not make mistakes. But I always go back to the quote from Aristotle, which is, you know, there's only one way to avoid criticism do nothing, say nothing and be nothing. And so um, it's just part of being a great leader. And so with that, we're signing off this time. Ryan, thank you again for for joining us. Uh, If you like this episode or any of the episodes that we uh, offer here on PMP Industry Insider, please remember to rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is that you listen to us, whatever platform you're on. And with that, we're going to close. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you all next time. Take care now. Thanks again, Ryan.
2: Thanks,
1: guys.
0: guys, All right. Bye-bye now.